So meanwhile, I think to baseline, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask both of you to give us a little bit of a history of the NDPC yep. and what led to the creation of this new benefit design, because we really only started to think about you in a material way in October, but you've been yep. around a long time. We, we have. Um, and. And I've got a lot of requests to talk about the NDPC, but really on the lens of this new model, which is not a great marketing name, but the TPM, which is the Total Performance Management. But I usually try to make sure that we don't conflate those two, because they're actually very different. The NDPC has been around since probably about 2000, 2001. It's actually one of the earliest coalitions, um, and actually remains one of the most unique coalitions. It was founded by a number of large employers who are suffering with some of the same issues that we were dealing with today. Negotiating with, with the PBM industry tends to be really difficult. Um, leveraging, getting the best deals, getting the best contract terms seem to be delivered by having large employers speaking together. What kept and makes the NDPC unique, and unfortunately what also makes us not as widely publicized, it is the only employer-led, employer-founded, and employer-run coalition. There are no fees to join the NDPC. There are no exit fees to leave the NDPC. There is no NDP staff. The steering committee, the strategy committee are all made up of employers. So it's, it's um, unique in that it's completely employer-led, but every action the ND, NDPC takes, and this is something I always I use as our marketing area, is completely transparent because that it's only for the employer because we're the only ones that run it. There are no ulterior motives, there are, and I'm not to be disparaging some of the other consultants, but other co coalitions, but there are no consultants who make money off it. There are no fees to join over the areas. Everything we do, every term we make, every agreement we make, will always have a bend towards the employers. The TPM, which is the model we, we uh, rolled out this year, um, stems from kind of a strategy and discussions we've been having as employers the last couple of years. And I, I think all of you in healthcare know that we really don't reward this healthcare system to treat, heal, and um, treat and maintain health with an eye towards an efficient use of resources. As we know, they get rewarded for the more they do, the more expensive they do. So as we went through looking at this, how do we instill more accountability and alignment with our healthcare partners? So it's part of an overarching strategy. In the pharma side of the house, and every employer that I know of hates, and I use that word important, hates dealing with their PBM in this, wor in this, in this world. I didn't say hates the PBM, hates dealing with the PBM. Um, an analogy I use all the time, and I pardon for the sports analogy, is it's always playing, always feel like we're playing defense in an away game when we're negotiating with pharma. Anytime you're negotiating on spread pricing models, the PBM has many more levers than we do and has many more insight in how those levers work than we do. So the genesis of the TPM model was two things. One of them is how do we change the game on how we're going to do negotiations? Um, the rules, we can't win at those rules, so how do we change the rules? And we partnered with ESI. It took a couple of years to get here with a model that starts with net acquisition costs for the drugs. We're not going to negotiate on AWP. We're not going to negotiate on PBM, on percentages of rebates. We're not going to negotiate on any of that other farmer revenue that comes from the compliance programs. We're going to pay what you pay for drugs. And there are other models in industry today, but most of them stop there. So we kind of but I lose part of it as a relay race. We kind of picked up from where a lot of the other models. Caterpillar did this years ago. Praxair has done this. But their models end at the transparency thinking that was in. That wasn't enough in our mind. Our mind is, as part of the healthcare system, how do we encourage you, how to reward you, upside and downside risk, for doing the things that we, the employer, want to have happen? Negotiate ruthlessly with financial guarantees on our contracting. 
and help manage the health of our population. There are clinical guarantees, both upside and downside, on clinical and financial as well, with, uh, with ESI, on improving A1Cs, improving compliance with statins, including compliance with rheumatoid, reducing the use of opioids. We're starting, you know, small and manageable right now, but it's really that first step towards alignment. And <clears throat> with the NDPC, every member company doesn't, isn't signing the same contract. Again, like I said, we don't, we're not a financial entity. We negotiate in mass, but each employer gets to pick their contract. So they can really throttle back and, uh, and down on the levels of aggression they want to do. And that's really the model. We just rolled it out this year, and um, that's it. So pause there. Any? No, that's, yeah. a, that's a perfect start. And David, maybe I'll ask you, I think one of the surprises was that we had thought of Express as the least likely to enter into a transparent model. And we had, you know, we've had HTA events in the past, and we saw that they signed up Optum and CVS to begin with, and we didn't see Express you know, come to the, to, well, maybe they came to the table, we didn't see them get out the door. So maybe share with us some of your perspectives on, you know, what the, uh, you know, both what is occurring with respect to transparency in the current marketplace across all of the PBMs and specifically why you think Express was open to this model. Um, uh, well, first of all, uh, I think to Eric's point, uh, the NDPC and historically with Medco, because they're an employer-led coalition, Medco always brought things to the NDPC for innovation basically what-if scenarios, you know, say, would you be interested? And, of course, they pushed us quite a bit as well. And I would say Dave Snow, the old CEO, said, you know, the NDPC made Medco a better PBM. And, and I think there was that relationship. Uh, so to answer Eric's point, I guess back in 2014, and you look at some of the pressures that a PBM has, uh, you know, around the generic wave ending, uh, rebates, CVS and Express Scripts, supposedly 92 to 95% of rebates being passed through. So the point here is the supply side is running out of gas, right? And at the same time, there's consultants that basically evaluate a PBM based upon discounts and rebates. So actually back in 2014, um, I was the head of pricing uh, for Express Scripts, so I went to a couple folks, uh, Stuart being one of them, a couple of the large uh, consulting firms and say, how do we differentiate other than on rebates? And you heard that this morning, right? Everyone wants rebates because it's the biggest spreadsheet value you get, and that's the way you win business. So we thought at Express Scripts, we needed to pivot, right? To pivot to more of a clinical basis to see if we get spreadsheet value and move away from just a, a, you know, a spreadsheet financial game. And lo and behold, we have the NDPC pushing at the other end. Uh, and so I think it's important, we're at an important junction in the PBM, you know, evolution that we need to move to this acquisition cost model. It eliminates the ambiguity of captive pharmacies at mail service and specialty, and it really creates alignment. And, you know, it's transparency, I know that's a, a big buzzword, but it's really about alignment here, right? What's the cost of care? that, that uh, a downstream payer like Pepsi is, is paying for uh, their care because there's hidden profits, and, and, th and this model really gets to that. And I think we played a game when we first you know, discussed the model where I said, okay, transparency on brand, you said yes, and I said transparency on generics at what level, and you said oh, you know, all the way down, transparency on fulfillment, 
and I think it was fulfillment across all measures. So, so walk us through as you thought through, um, you know, what really meant transparency to you, and maybe that's also a, a, a nice place for us to talk about the auditability and what you've brought into the contract as well. So let's go into those mechanics. So, um, you know, there's obviously a different form of revenue, right? Obviously rebates are contracted between a PBM and a, and a pharma manufacturer, and then there's wholesale discounts. So really it's bringing to the table an understanding, and I think that's what Cambridge does, uh, to ensure the definition of total acquisition cost really gets ferreted out. Uh, and so it's some combination of rebates, which would be total, re you know, formula rebates, administrative fees, manufacturer fees, uh, inflation protection, as well as the uh, purchase discounts. And there's other, there's channel discounts. So understanding the, all those revenue streams are very critical. Uh, and to the point is we've actually gained agreement with Express Scripts to go into their systems to be able to understand how they're even buying the drugs. So the rebates are probably pretty easy to, to, uh, to audit. You know, they've been, you know, well, most PBMs have been providing that access to a certain extent. So we're able to see inside Pfizer's contract and where the revenues are. And we've actually asked Express Scripts to say, not just the rebates, show us all the rest of the money that you're getting from Pfizer and just picking on Pfizer because they just so have to be in the room. <laughs> so we want to be able to say that and some of it's tied to utilization and that's entitled to go back to PepsiCo and the member companies. The rest may be you know, cost reimbursement. At the same time, the challenge is really the channel discounts. What are they buying at? There's prompt paid discounts. There's the safeguard programs with there's a fee in there too. So kind of knowing where all those rocks on the road are and understanding that. So Express Scripts has been very good uh, at you know being very transparent and at the end of the day we're going to be able to go in and audit uh, each one of these down to the drug level at retail mail. Uh, obviously retail they don't uh, they don't own a retail there's some complexities there around generics at retail MAC values maximum allowable cost but specialty and mail we're going to look at their acquisition costs including all these items that I just mentioned. And if you join a consortia like what we see at Mercer, any of the big shops that run their own buying entities, you, I think you're quite limited on what you're able to audit. So how does the reciprocity work here? Like, are you willing to let your members come in and audit this? You're auditing Express, and then are you letting them audit this as well in NDPC? Unless you're understanding what you mean. Do you allow, so, you know, there's an audit mechanism you've created relative yeah. to Express, and then yeah. is there also a mechanism, you know, how do they, from, is there an audit, is there a transparency to those individual companies? The member and members. members. What, what audit rights do they have, right. and is it different between each member company? Yeah. No, it's not. It's the same. No, it's exactly yeah. the same. It's exactly the same across the board. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to see anything in this contract. Um, unless it was absolutely necessary, that didn't skew towards the, um, the employers. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no consultant, and again, I don't mean to be disparaging the consultants, but the, the transparency and the purity of intent is so critical in this space. There's just, a, it's a lot of money to be had in a lot of areas. So what makes the NDPC unique, it's run and done by employers. So we all have, I mean, we, we, the steering committee, put together the model contract for every year we go through. We work with our own internal laborers. We work with um, some attorneys to put it in. 
but every employer gets the same rights. There's mm -hmm. nothing, nothing owned. It's a, it's a commune <laughs> purchasing yeah. VBI, and it's which is quite different, I think, than every other one, including the HTA comes close, but the HTA has a pretty steep entry fee and some other limitations. I know mm -hmm. they have a transparent model. Um, I spoke at NBGH on this model and had someone from the HTA come and say, you know, we have part of that, but not the sort of total package as well. So, and we've been in discussion. I personally have been in discussions with the HTA. HTA. We're both trying to do the same things in many areas. And mm -hmm. so we're discussing how we, rather than sort of diluting our voice with the PBM industry, how do we potentially work together to kind of push in the same direction? That makes sense. And let's talk about the medical <clears throat> element. Is there, it sounds like there's an ability to change that based on the type of organization that you are. So I'm going to assume here that Pepsi is among the more aggressive organizations. Mm -hmm. What does that look like across the spread of is it 18 members today? Yeah. So you know, what, what is the experience and you know, what does it look like for someone more aggressive versus less aggressive? Yeah, for, for, uh, for, for and uh, there's not as much difference among the, uh, the NDPC members. Um, as you, I mean, I think the, the nucleus of the group is to find large, like-minded, aggressive employers. So there's still some variation in terms of aggression, but most of us have come to the table because we do want to push the industry. But for us, we have similar features in our, in our medical contracting in similar areas. So we're probably a little bit more aggressive in that we've instilled kind of these um, uh, guarantees, particularly on the clinical side, also with Anthem and with United. So the challenge we're going to run into is when they both go positive, we actually have fees at risk on both sides. Um, being able to be very, very pure and scientific about, yes, this $40 belongs to you versus this $40 is probably going to be really hard to rely on our consultants, but really it's a little bit of a leap of faith in here. Some of the other employers don't have to take this TPM model. They can, mm -hmm. Again, the TPM is, again, NDPC, nothing's mandated. So we've got about half of the membership that has joined on to the TPM model this year. Uh, about the other quarter that's remaining during the next year. And there might be one or two that might stay in a traditional model just because of either the union negotiations or some of the way they make their deals. But for PepsiCo, <coughs> it allows us to really push the envelope again also with our healthcare partners. Because a lot of the interaction here, the real sort of difference here is ESI had to hire, you know, they have a, a clinical group, which is a population health manager. We've also tried to push not as much interactions with the employees, that's important. But some of the really key engagements are also making sure the healthcare components there are talking to each other. So our population health manager doesn't just encourage and nudge employees, they're also nudging the doctors, going through making sure they're prescribing the right, if they're seeing gaps in care, reach out to the doctors, reach out to potentially some of the pharmacists to make sure the healthcare systems talks. So we also had to negotiate with Anthem to allow that dialogue to happen, allow that push mm -hmm. through, and make sure they both understand where we're trying to head. Okay. That's a little bit unique. Interface at the, at the medical yeah. level. Yeah, and, yeah. and I just want to add a little bit of context so, about the aggressiveness. So on the pharmacy side, the TPM model, there's actually three different packages, clinical yep. packages. So as you go in today, you basically have an a la carte, right? If you're a PBM, you pick this retro DUR pro program, UM. In this case, what Express Scripts and NDPC have put together is a three packages, call it performance, performance plus, and performance max. So based upon your philosophy, you could opt into each one, yep. any one of these. Uh, so it basically you know, fits your philosophy. And then relative to the fees at risk, the fees at risk isn't really cross-medical and pharmacy. 
Express Scripts will measure outcomes on the medical side, but the fees at risk is really just the, an admin fee on the pharmacy side. So there really isn't a, a duplication per se because, you know, again, it's outcomes based on the medical side around diabetes, osteo, and the like. Uh, but the fee that's at risk is the pharmacy fee. There's an admin fee right. and the performance fee. And the performance fee actually has, you could take risk around the clinical attributes, which would measure outcomes on the medical side, or a per member per month on the pharmacy side. Uh, and each member company could say, okay, I want to take that performance fee and allocate some portion of it to be at risk on the clinical side, the clinical uh, metrics, or the the per member per month, and then there's a risk sharing corridor. So yeah. again, there's a little bit of separation, so there's really it, not there a redundancy. Here. So just wanted to clarify yeah. that. Does that make sense, Eric? That that does. Any questions on that from the audience or questions so far? All right. Oh, we we offer both. So we offer a high deductible and traditional PPO and go through. So it's is really um, we we do, we offer both, and as do many of the uh, NDPC members. Now we don't, um, but uh, just to, to take a step back, uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of discussion talks about now is well now you're getting these huge rebates. How do you sort of deliver the point of sale and high deductible plan? Are you really bearing the backs on the employees? Um, one of the things the NEPC had negotiated years ago when it said the option, we always had the ability to do what we call a rebate investment program to kind of es estimate the uh, rebates at point of sale and adjudicate it based upon that and then do a true up later on. So for many of the NEPC members, we already. Again, particularly as we move to the high deductible plan, we have already put some of those features in. Um, now, again, it's the beauty of this model is I, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, I, what I'm carrying is the net cost. Um, we do have some abilities to make one of the decisions. Again, how do you adjudicate the claim, particularly in the high deductible plan, to make to, to whether you're going to allow the employees to kind of bear the cost of the cost without the rebates up front, and that that gets translated back into their pr monthly premiums, or do you do it in point of sale? Again, that's another option within our model. You can do either one. And, and I would add, you know, it's not only high deductible plans. Yeah. You know, uh, for a long time, uh, and I would say most of the mid-market PBMs are able to apply rebates at point of service. And most of the large PBMs have been able to do that as well. Yeah. One of the things that you have to consider on the employer side is even when you're a Tier 2 or Tier 3 copay, there could be co-insurance there, but it's normally a min or a max. So the fact that you're applying a rebate to a high-cost drug may not benefit the employer employee anyway because the net price after yeah. in the co-insurance is still going to be above the max. So understanding the plan design, whether it's a high deductible yeah. or you know co-insurance with mins and max, goes into that decision. And again, of course, at the end of the day, whatever they decide is going to impact their premium. So all those decisions are things that you know NDPC in their member companies will be talking through with Express Scripts in Cambridge. Yeah, which is exactly how our high deductible plan has. We sort of have maximum, so one is not immediately really slammed by that first very, very expensive drug in the year. And do you expect that you'll see adherence, as you try to drive the medical outcomes, 
you'll probably see adherence yep. move up and you'll see yeah. actual utilization move up and yep. diabetes RA. Yep. So that's anticipated. That's it it a is. Um, desired outcome here. It, it is. And it's, it's one of, I think, the, the learnings for this uh, were really twofold from the employer side of the house. One of them is a, a look behind a very, very complex curtain, seeing things you may not have wanted to see of how some mm. of the sausage gets made and how some of the money flows go. Um, the second area was a realization of, again, things that used to, quote, be free are really captured somewhere else, but also understanding that, uh, and for PepsiCo, it was a, a little bit, you know, for most of the uh, NDPC members, sort of have a broader vision. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not accountable for managing my pharmacy spend and managing my medical spend. I'm accountable for managing my overall spend. So this is exactly what the model is intended to do. If the utilization and the management of these drugs and these, high, these chronic conditions are managed well, I absolutely expect to see my overall spend go down. But I will see this go up, and I know that that's factored in. They have not come to me. I, I reached out to one of them. <laughs> uh, I've spoken to some of their folks. Um, most of the folks I've spoken to has been really the benefits in-house folks who, who as at least what they told me, is saying, I, don't even, I know as much as you do. I'm not involved. But I've always kind of had the open contact. I've contacts both at um, um, Amazon and J.P. Morgan. That, and I offered any time just that I sort of educated them on what he'd done on the NDPC, but I had that offer out there. To that date, we have not had any discussions on it. But I have another. But I do. I am in ongoing discussions with HTA. And when you think about what you're offering here and the solution you're bringing, it yeah. speaks to transparency and yeah. speaks to the ability to yeah. to help the member. We would. That's, yeah. that, that does align quite yeah. well. So it certainly is. I imagine Express also thought about the fact that they're creating a offering that could be of value to yeah. to an entity like that. Um, yes, question up here. They get our medical. They do get our medical data as part of some of the safety on RX. So they do get that data, and we'll also rely on Cambridge, who has one of our data warehouses, to help analyze yeah, that. Most of the PBMs for several several years have bi uh, directional uh, data exchanges with most of the health plans. Obviously, there's a claims lag on the medical side, uh, so the medical folks, the health plans, certainly want the pharmacy data because it's real time. Yeah. So that's the issue. Uh, yeah. But they've been having it in Express Scripts. Uh, um, actually has a tool called Rational Med that's been there for about 15 years uh, that's been consuming medical data. The one gap, probably the harder one we learned with some of this, is getting some of the lab data. That's not as easy yet, and that's been Correct. hard to get. Yeah. Right. That's right. And so beyond an increase in adherence would seem to be one element that, that will flow out of this. I have to imagine that an increase in utilization of home delivery is another element, at least if we're talking about Express Scripts, when I think about the cost yeah. to, to serve, is that expected and you know, manageable among your populations? It is. I mean, I can't remember exactly our, our home delivery rates, but we're, we, because of some of our other programs that are plan design, um, we have pretty good print, uh, penetration, both generic and, and home utilization. Mm -hmm. Again, th this would continue to do that, yes. Again, to the point that that interaction with the employee recognizes the savings is for them and for us as well, that's fine. But again, it, now it's a little bit of a shift that that savings is really focused on this on the employee experience. So um, 
yes, we continue to monitor it, but I'm, I'm not at a place where I've got a huge opportunity. Yes, I always love to continue to move ahead. So yeah, just and, and, yeah. and it may end up that it drives utilization to one specific channel, whether yeah. it's mail or retail, but at the end of the day, it's you know what's showing up in the outcomes data. Remember, there's yeah. no profit element for here for Express Scripts. Yeah. So it's really lowest net cost solution, and then the plans and the member companies be able to decide, okay, I'm getting a better result driving a certain category of product through this channel versus the other. So it's really almost channel agnostic based upon uh, you know, lowest cost and really outcomes. And is there an element for you with the Pepsi hat on versus the NDPC hat on, your relationship or engagement with the manufacturer? Is the transparency that you're gaining here, is it helping you to develop a better understanding or deeper relationship, or is that left to the PBM? That's still, still left to the PBM, um, and it's, it's one of the discussions we've had. Part of the challenge, I think, is, is where are we in this journey and wh where we go. Um, part of it is the NDPC doesn't have a staff. It's mm -hmm. a, we all have day jobs, um, but we, to date, we really rely on, on the PBM. I mean, the PBMs, they didn't come about for no reason. There's a reason why they came about, so this is a, an element to help leverage why they're in existence. Questions here? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll start and then you can charge. You want to charge? Yeah, you want to yeah, I'll start. Sorry. So I'll give you the employer perspective and you can give the, the detail. So from us, so we pay kind of, we've agreed upon based upon the financial and guarantee, here's that baseline. If they exceed, they will get some more monies back. If they don't, they get some back. I, I will say in year one, is it gonna tank either one of our bottom lines? Probably not. Um, it's really the year one is to step in. It's a couple of bucks, but yet it's also, it's also not a, a pure guarantee on the cost. If, if they blow it, we're not being held harmless. They're just gonna give us back some more money on the area. But it's um, enough to, to get some attention. Um, I think the evolution as we go forward, as we get clearer on the clinical areas and the financial, we see how this works, that is the vision. It will become, have a little bit more teeth in it. But for year one, I think we tried to make sure we wanted enough to get attention, but also re reasonable. My it was uh, minus two. Yeah. I expect it to be flat. Yeah, and maybe to use a numerical example, so it's really, so there's a target out there per member per month. I'm making up a number, $100 per member per month. And so let's say Pepsi comes in at 90. Uh, you know, that savings goes all to Pepsi. What's the risk is, and let's say they're paying a, a performance fee of $5. It's Express Scripts could earn, if they beat that, by as much as, as Eric said, a dollar or $2. So there's a risk quarter around the admin fee. So they're able to earn more admin fee, not dollar for dollar right. off the drug spend. So I just want to uncouple exactly. those. Yeah. The drug spend benefit and the risk sits with the member company. It's really the performance. And of course, if Express Scripts doesn't hit that per member per month, they get less admin fee as well. So it's a two-sided corridor around the admin fee. And for 1120, you had to be a NDPC member to have access to this. Yes. Over time, it'll open up to the broader Express Scripts. Yeah, we, we were, yeah. What was we, the, the thought there? 
Yeah, the, the thought of it was there's a heck of a lot of IP that went into this and, and heavy lifting. Um, we do want to drive NDPC membership. I mean, this is something we, we developed. And this is not, this is pretty much the pattern that has always had. A lot of the innovation, and Dave uh, rightfully pointed that out earlier, a lot of that innovation with ESI started with the NDPC. Either, hey, we want to try something that's a little bit aggressive. Let's talk to you guys first because you tend to be there. Mm -hmm. We try it out first. We kind of get the bugs out, and then it becomes part of their standard offering. Here we were a little bit more aggressive, saying we put a lot of IP into this. Let's leverage this to growing the NDPC to some extent. <clears throat> and always recognizing, though, we are already starting to look at the next sort of model. So we'll, I sort of, we'll always be, I think, always a year or a year and a half ahead of what's probably happening in some of their uh, broader commercial market. And that's a little bit of the pressure that we put on ourselves, the NDPC. We, if we continue to want to have this advantage and this distinction from just being another ESI con consultant, uh, con client, that where that value is, is you've got employers who are looking to push the envelope a little bit quicker than others. And what comes next? What do you want? Where do you want to go? Uh, we we um, clearly we want to. Um, this was a good first year, and I said I think the Dave pointed out right. We still have a lot of the risk. The upsides and downsides are good first year. The clinical areas are probably very very. There are five clinical areas right now. More clinical areas. I'm looking at some of the areas and more custom formularies and sort of. Which is not a pure just a clinical play. It's, we recognize it's a clinical enterprise play. We want to make sure both of them move in the right direction. So we're looking at some of those other areas. <coughs> also looking at better ways to really manage and integrate the health. The other area within my group that um, that's probably a good um, move is sort of in the, some of the disability areas where a lot of the innovation we have on the PBM side hasn't quite made it to the disability side of my house and my workers' comp side. So working with that group. And, and continuing to hone, getting some better areas getting some better integration with the healthcare partners. I mean, we are looking to grow the NDPC, but not grow at any cost. I think that's a mm -hmm. different area. We're still knowing who we are, um, looking for larger, progressive, like-minded employers. I'm just not looking for, that's probably the reason why you don't see a huge marketing bill. Hey, we want 400 clients, members. No, mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to be able to manage it, but we want large, like-minded folks that will help us keep ahead. Well, the history of consortiums have been that when you grow, you have to deal with the least common denominator. Yeah, and that's effect, one of the things right? we so can't exactly you can't be as aggressive. Yeah, yeah and I, I do want to add one thing to the innovation. It's not so much not only for NDPC. I do think, you know, from an express script, not knowing is just my opinion, uh, because what we've done with NDPC through all the years, it's kind of a controlled study too, right? Because sure. we're finding <laughs> things not out everything here, works, right? <laughs> right? Uh, we, we, as Eric said. You know, we're finding it hard to get lab data. So, I mean, Express Scripts benefits from kind of this quasi-incubation here exactly. as well. Yeah, we're able to push Anthem and some of the other folks, not just me, PepsiCo, but I can go with the NDPC, and that gives me even more clout. And when you look at the consolidation across the payers and PBMs, do you look at that and say, you know, opportunity, opportunity 10 years ago when the data actually flows? Like what's, what's the take? Uh, I, I look at... I initially, I, I'm internal optimist, so I look at opportunity. I mean, if the area, if what we're looking for, a better integration, better population health, I am optimistic and encouraged. Um, many things in healthcare did not follow all the typical things that happen everywhere else. So um, I'm also been around long enough to be really skeptical <laughs> and to watch how things uh, work. So um, I will remain 70 optimistic, but 30, 30 very, very cautious. Because I think one of the, the keys that, and I'm just a little bit more editorializing, one of the things that was always unique about ESI is being the last independent 
PBM was always something that we've, we held onto, and now they, they're not. Mm -hmm. They're looking a lot like everybody else. So this is an opportunity to take this model and really put it in overdrive, or do we end up at another group just now looking like everybody else again? Another, another thing that sounded great and then may die by the wayside. So I, I hope for more integration. I hope for others. I think ESI has done some other great in their acquisitions besides um, Cigna. Um, the Evercore and some of the areas might be interesting to watch how we're able to leverage some of that expertise in some of the broader areas. And for now, you're not worried about having Anthem on one side and Express on the other. Those are working well enough for what you so need. So far, yeah. I'm surprised. I, I, um, it's funny. We've had, we have a, a summit. We have them in the room very often uh, talking yeah. to each other, and uh, they behave. But I, uh, <laughs> but it, it, I kind of look at it, and, I, and of course, I'm an attack, a protagonist sometimes. So you sure you guys want to work with each other on this? But I'm uh, sure. I think they recognize. Any other questions? Yes. It, it is purely a pharma coalition, so it, it, we don't, we don't, we disc, we most of us are also members of NBGH, and we discuss a lot of areas. But the NDPC is the National Drug Purchasing Coalition, so all our actions are particularly, particularly with the the genesis was how do we procure PBM services better? So that's been the focus of it. I think it's as we have evolved and recognizing that as we as benefit managers and leaders are not just, need, we're responsible for managing the total care, that some of the engagements that we're looking through, the things that we're doing with Anthem and United are particular to PepsiCo and may not be particular to the NDPC. That help? I, I am, if it helps and it works, yes. Again, the NDPC is not, is a bunch of employers getting together. So I, I don't sit here as saying I'm trying, I, my job is the NDPC, my job is the VP of benefits of PepsiCo, as is every other NDPC member. So if this is an opportunity that spawns other partnerships in other areas that go beyond PBM, that's fine. But it may not, take, it may not come under what the NDPC's steerage and strategy committee end up taking on, unless we expand. But I just don't see that right now. I think we've got enough to... David, do you think you've created an imperative to come to market with more transparent models? And we did see an offering from CVS, and I should say Cambridge works with all of the PBMs yeah, out there, absolutely. right? It's not an Express specific. Your your experience certainly is with Express, but what is your what is your yeah? I, I think there's when you look at the different PBMs, they're navigating their their way down this road, but none are quite there yet. Um, you know, kind of rattle through some of them as you mentioned. CVS has a uh, has a net per script, uh, retail, mail, and specialty. It's, um, you know, it's passed through of 100% of rebates, uh, but it's not transparent. And the challenge, I, I, at least I see with CVS, and as you mentioned, Eric, we work with them, um, you know, where are they on a clinical um, perspective? Yeah. I, I don't think they're as far uh, along as Express Scripts. You look at the safeguard programs of Express Scripts versus CVS, they put their two programs out, similar programs in 2018. But I think they also struggle largely, uh, besides clinical, in which transparency. Uh, they obviously own Cardinal. They have CVS stores, so what's transparent? Yeah. Uh, then we look at Optum, they actually uh, 
are still trying to figure out what they want to do in this space. They're reluctantly uh, going down, uh, and they're probably further behind. I mentioned the, most of the mid-market PBMs are already here. They're, you know, they're maybe not clinical at-risk models. Uh, Ingenio, uh, still to be determined, but they, their go-to-market approach is going to be very similar. Integrated, I don't want to call carve-out, carve-in, it's integrated uh, medical and pharmacy. Uh, but I think there needs to be another one or two players in addition to Express Scripts to really pivot. Uh, and then at the end, there, uh, at the, on the uh, other side, uh, I think the consultants I alluded to this before, they need to change their spreadsheets. I said this seven, eight years ago. Forget about discounts and rebates. It needs to be net cost of the plan. And so they need to change. I know Josh was here. I spoke to him and uh, you know, mentioned that a few years ago. Uh, but again, the consultants have to, because they will be the other driving mm -hmm. force in the commercial market, because a lot of these benefit offices rely upon their expertise. So not only PBMs, but if the consultants embrace it, it'll help move this along as well. I'll just echo that last point, just in when I'm speaking to my other benefits counterparts, that is one of the biggest challenges I run into. They, they hear the concepts of the TPM and all that. Sounds great, sounds great. And then when they try to do an RFP, the tools are completely outdated, and they, there's, there's, they really don't have an intelligent way to assess the value of what we bring. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a frustration. And so I think I've, I've, my other colleagues said, sounds really, really great. Come back in a year so when we have more real data, because they really don't know. And the consulting community, um, I, candidly, they get more glassy, even more glassy-eyed when I talk about what we're doing. Yeah, I, I want to add one thing. I wanna, so while we focused on my comments around PBM, you know, Eric had said earlier, NDPC drove this change with Express Scripts. This other large employers, Comcast, yeah. looking at that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's just not from PBM yeah. out. It's other large employers looking to affect change as well. And whether that's, you know, population-based or member-centric-based, there's different models. Everyone's trying to test where, how do we change this paradigm in order to get to a better solution? Well... Oh, we have one more question in the back. Yes. How does the admin fee structure change, or, or well? Yeah. So that there, uh, so there is a base admin fee that encompasses kind of the some of the fee, and then the the levels you put out at risk. Again, you as an employer, I get to pick how much of the. Of this amount that's at risk, is a percentage of the fee that's at risk. How much of that do I want to put towards financial guarantees versus clinical? So that's one area of, of customization, if you will. And then in within each one of those areas, how much do I want to put at risk? Am I, how aggressive do I want to be within the within the targets within each of those areas? So the challenge that comes also with this area is that financial that uh, admin fee is really specific to me, PepsiCo, to my drug mix. Because they, what they're going to do is my, peep, my per member per month guarantee on the number is going to be based upon where I am today. So it's also, that's what make, makes some of the modeling a little bit harder there. So even within the NDPC, their base, their base guarantee numbers are a little bit different. And then the fees at risk we get to in terms. Is that helpful? It's so it's the yeah so it's acquisition cost right so that's typically what goes in what they call the purchase discounts and there's forward buys but then there's rebates 
and rebates typically in a contract are made up of formula rebates and manufacturer fees. I think that's what, and there, those, those are being passed through, as well as if there's inflation protection as well. So that's the, I think that's what you're saying, manufacturer fees. No. Okay, yeah. No, the admin fee that Eric referenced has to do with just core services, yeah. you know, eligibility management, formulary management, not manufacturer admin fees. It's just for basic PBM services. And included in there is an overhead at, uh, piece, and that's supposed to contain also their profit. And then there's the clinical admin fee, what we call performance fee, based upon if you opt into one of those three packages, the performance fee will will increase because there's more services there too. Well, th this was a bit of a joke when it was first announced and then we got on the phone and there was a list of 35 different potential fees and elements paid from ma the manufacturer to the PBM that we walked through one after the other to figure out, have you really got transparency? And then ultimately we got to the point where we said, yes, this does appear to be, to be different. So, uh, well, we'll end on the note that there's, uh, there are a lot of fees out there and there we're getting a, lot a, little of more, <laughs> a little more transparent here. Um, and I'll thank the panel for joining us. <coughs> we are done now with the uh